everyone. Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Stockpagelbon on Twitter. Um, I just did this for about three minutes and then realized that my uh, video mic was recording. So um, <laughs> you can uh, probably tell uh, I'm a little rusty at this at this point. You may also recognize that it's been a while since you've heard me alone and a while since you've heard me talk about video games. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the anime podcast and the homicide podcast since I've been gone. Um, and I realized, you know... Uh, the reason I wasn't doing the video game podcast is not because I stopped enjoying it, but because I was just burnt out. I had too much going on. I was so exhausted by everything. Still am. Uh, still have too much going on. Uh, but I guess I sort of um, unintentionally forced myself to have a break. And uh, that's not like me. It was a little awkward when I found out. But uh, uh, when I found out what I had myself had unconsciously done. Um, but I'm really happy to be back. And I feel, you know, energized. And, and you know, I'm grateful for, to you all. Uh, for allowing me the grace to to give me that kind of break. Um, so one of the things I'd like to do in returning to the podcast, returning to the podcast feels a little strong, but you know, one of the things I'd like to do in coming back is to think about um, think about things in like a historical way as well. So one of the ways that I mean this is um, going to kind of uh, come about in a larger series that I'm I'm in the works with planning sort of mentally. Uh, but one of the ways I'm thinking about this is in smaller portions as well. And, and, and this episode is one of those, particularly uh, because it's an idea that stuck with me so much that I ended up just like kind of having to, you know, talk about it uh, on the podcast. I just had to, had to think about it a little bit. Um, and this is, uh, it's about the Yakuza series. So um, the Yakuza series is broken up into two sections, essentially. Uh, there is the Kiryu series, um, which is the sort of classic Yakuza, uh, you know, one through six, and then zero as well, zero coming before seven, uh, also before six. Um, and then there's seven, which is like a dragon, and there's also the the samurai ones, and I guess Kiryu is going to be in the next like a dragon, so maybe it's not even like, maybe it's not even a viable distinction anymore. But um, it, the Kiryu uh, stories uh, follow Kiryu Kazuma, who, um, you know, is in and around the Yakuza. He's a big guy who beats people up. He's very nice and sort of, like, cool, and everyone likes him. He's 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 great. Like, everyone, everyone, you know, rightfully thinks Kiryu is a good protagonist. I think Kiryu is a great protagonist. It's not a particularly controversial position. Um, the games are fascinating for a number of reasons. One is that the writing's really good. Um, the, uh, the sub quests are fantastic. They feel like they're part of the whole thing. You feel like the area you're in, um, in Japan is, is lived in. It feels like this sort of like very real section of the world. You know, there are multiple characters, multiple points of view. It's complicated. It, it's, it's interesting, but I'm not going to go through the whole plot of Yakuza with you right now. Cause that's kind of silly. What I am going to do is talk a little bit about, um, Yakuza 0. Yakuza 0 is a game that was released as a prequel sort of explaining the origins of, of Kiryu, right? Um, also the origins of other characters in the game, but uh, un unfortunately, I'm sorry for, for everyone who wants me to talk about them. This is not really about them. It's not really even so much about Kiryu. We just have to get to this sort of like initial point. So um, Kiryu in this game is an up-and-coming Yakuza member. He is a member. I'm, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the, the the things right here. I'm going to actually look at all the names um, not because this is how I want things to go, but I, I want to get this right because I really do like the um, really do like the elements of this game a lot, and I, I, I'd like to get the names right. So they're in a, a place called Kamarocho in Tokyo. Kamarocho is a sort of like a wonderland of pleasure. There's all sorts of things there. There's uh, bars and karaoke. Um, there's like call girls. There's uh, ostensibly there's all sorts of things, and the game is like 
is whimsical in a certain sense, right? We're in the 1980s, so like you get to go play in an arcade and like there's a guy who's selling mushrooms on the street, but it turns out he's just trying to sell actual mushrooms and everyone thinks he's trying to sell drugs. And, you know, it's kind of goofy that way. But the serious plot, right, is um, there's also a plot around Goromajima, who's the other sort of main uh, and protagonist in uh, in Yakuza. Uh, we're not going to touch on him. But we start off by Kiryu getting framed for murder. So essentially, he's he's. it looks as if Kiryu has shot a guy, right? You're allowed to beat guys up, of course, in the Yakuza. You're allowed to sort of rough people up. But murder is a big problem because it's, it's harder for uh, everyone to kind of brush it under the rug. And the person he is framed of murdering is murdered in an empty lot. So uh, the Wikipedia for the game says this is probably going to be a little more clear than I would be. As the empty lot is the last piece of land needing to be purchased before the Tojo clan can redevelop the area, it has become the target of Dojima family patriarch Sohei Dojima, believing obtaining it will grant him enough power influence to become Tojo clan chairman. So basically, you're part of the Dojima clan, um, and uh, uh, you know there's a little sort of sub-clan of the Tojo family, or the Tojo clan, and the boss of Dojima wants to become the head of the Tojo clan. So it's a, it's a, it's a power play. And your adoptive father, Shintaro Kazuma, uh, Kiryu's adoptive father, excuse me, is in jail at this point, was the head of the Doshima family, is in jail now, and there's all sorts of these machinations happening, right? Uh, so Kiryu is ejected from the Doshima family, uh, sort of by his own way, and also insofar as he is, you know, not allowed to be in the family anymore because he's committed murder and, and messed up. Um, and essentially, the whole game revolves around the conflict created by this empty lot, right? Also, part of this is is absolutely the Yakuza series. You get these this sense of um, you know it's it's a gang story, right? It's it's a it's a mob story, it's a mafia story. These things are not so different between Yakuza movies and and mob movies in America. Um, you know, some of the trappings are different. Um, there's differences between you know the European mafia, uh, Russian mafia, triads, Yakuza, whatever, right? Like. Organized crime looks different in different places, right? We, we know this from all sorts of um, uh, different TV shows and prestige dramas and documentaries and whatever. Um, however, the, 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 in a film or a novel or a video game like this, um, and, and in many ways, Yakuza as a series is aspiring in its more serious moments to be like prestige TV. These are very serious plot lines. There are high stakes. There's conflict. There's, you know, betrayal. There's emotional um, upheaval. Um now in the in the in the side quest you get all sorts of different emotions. Um, there's a whole side quest about you know a kid trying to get a video game and some guy you know stealing it from him or something like that. It, it's it's very funny, right? Um, and that that kind of like um, emotional rubber banding is part of what is so charming about the Yakuza series, right? Because it takes both the whimsical side quests and the extremely serious main quests equally seriously, right? But within the serious main quest, right? We get this whole, you know, uh, patina of mob-related connections. Mob, excuse me, um, Yakuza-related connections. Uh, different families, different sort of like trials and tribulations and power plays and stuff like that. And you know, essentially, mob stories are the modern palace dramas. Uh, this is no different. And you know, the central thing in all of this is the empty lot. Why they say is the empty lot such a big deal? Why does anyone care about this empty lot? And it turns out the empty lot is important because it's like the last place that has not been, <laughs> that has not been built upon. And then, you know, there's other stuff that happens in the game that empty lot becomes important with, but the game takes place in 1988, right? And the idea of the empty lot in 1988 as a plot point is really interesting. 
on one hand, it's just interesting because it, like it actually does a good job making a um, a connection to you know Kiryu for the for the player. There's a you know it's high drama. It's sort of like a material thing that people are interested in, but it looks ridiculous. There's a murder of someone who is just like a nobody um, who's just supposed to be beaten up, and then like that seems to be like really sort of minor, and then it becomes bigger. It you know it's, again. A classic thing, you know, you 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 have sort of an underling in a large organization who gets thrown under the bus for reasons they don't understand, and as they unravel it, it becomes bigger and bigger until it goes all the way to the top. Um, again, Yakuza is an amazing series. It's also a genre series. You should recognize some of these things from you know even the sort of most schlocky uh, mob mafia Yakuza, you know, whatever uh, cinema that you, that you that you've looked at. Um, and in some ways, you know, like the you could argue that a more sort of serious undercutting of this uh, would be the Friends of Ringo Ishikawa, which if you're looking for like a more thoroughgoing deconstruction, right? Uh, I think the Friends of Ringo Ishikawa is a much, I don't want to say better, but it's a much more thoroughgoing deconstruction of the mob storyline because it foregrounds the years of Japan, similar years, actually, to what we're doing here in high school and things like that. Uh, with sort of like, you know, Yakuza sort of like hooligan behavior. Um, Yakuza Zero is is you know, it's high drama. It's 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 melodrama. It's 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 popcorn in a lot of ways, right? But again, going back to that empty lot before we think of it as like a, a central sort of like I don't even want to say red herring or 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 um, anything like that. It's just like it's the central conflict point, right? Like it's what everyone wants. Um, it's cool because it's the empty lot. It seems worthless. However. We're in 1988 Japan, and what a lot of people may not know from the American standpoint, uh, and maybe even from the Japanese standpoint, you never know what people know with history, um, and as we get further and further, less people know it. Um, if you know it, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to be condescending to you. I understand a lot of people do. I'm less interested in this, like, reveal. This isn't the sort of uh, punchline. So, you know, don't worry. No cartridge is not going to be now those uh, YouTube things where it's like, did you know? Uh, that like this villain was based on this killer. Uh, no, no, it's like this is important, and you know maybe you don't know it, maybe you do. Uh, but the second observation is going to be it. So, in the uh, 80s to early 90s, specifically from 1986 to 1991, I'm going to read from Wikipedia again. Again, not the most thoroughgoing research for this one, but this is more just me getting back under my skis and uh, just sort of an interesting thing. I think I, I don't know. I'm I, maybe you won't agree, but I, I find it fascinating. Um, so during that time, there was a Japanese asset price bubble. Uh, I saw that it was called the Baburo Keki. Um, and I thought of the, uh, the joke, uh, translator's note, uh, Baburo Keki means, uh, bubble economy, like, uh, Keikaku means plan. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm learning about anime, baby. It's an economic bubble in Japan from 1986 to 1991 in which real estate and stock market prices were greatly inflated. In early 1992, the price bubble burst. Japan's economy stagnated. Now, this is um, this is like a, a pretty um, <laughs> this is a pretty like loose and calm way of, of explaining what happens here. Um, and it, in fact, like as as it sort of goes on, even in the summary, it can't like it can't totally undercut the level of crisis that this pr- produced. Right. So we had our own housing crisis in 2008. Fine. Um, this is like way worse. I, I, to, to, to just put it out there, the, the impact anyway, the effects way worse. 
Um, the bubble was characterized by rapid acceleration of asset prices and overheated economic activity, as well as an uncontrolled money supply and credit, credit expansion. So, you know, inflation, things like that. More specifically, overconfidence and speculation regarding asset and stock prices were closely associated with excessive monetary easing policy at the time. So you limit, you loosen up regulations, you increase spending, you boost, you know, inflation happens. This is, you know, neoliberalism 101. This is the plan. The idea is that the market self-regulates. But of course, as we all know, the market is not a rational actor and can't actually regulate itself, unlike what, uh, what you know, the people in um, von Mises and, and et cetera would want you to, to think. Through the creation of economic policies that cultivated the marketability of assets, eased the access to credit, and encouraged speculation, the Japanese government started a prolonged and exacerbated Japanese asset price bubble. Um, fine. By August 1990, the Nikkei stock index had plummeted to half its peak by the time of the fifth monetary tightening by the Bank of Japan. By late 1991, other asset prices began to fall. And while asset prices visibly collapsed by early 1992, the economy's decline continued for more than a decade. It resulted in a huge accumulation of non-performing assets, uh, loans, causing difficulties for many financial institutions. And the bursting of the Japanese asset price bubble contributed to what many called the lost decade. Now, the lost decade is also interesting on its own uh, merit in, you know, just thinking about it's a period of economic stagnation caused by the asset bubble's price collapsed in 1991, but it is this, um, you know, in some ways, I think the sort of Western uh, example uh, or exemplar for this would be something like uh, the years uh, directly uh, succeeding and uh, World War One and preceding World War II, where uh, everyone was kind of, uh, like a lot of economies were devastated. There were many people who were, you know, uh, grievously injured from, from being uh, conscripted into these wars. Um, a lot of people had lost, you know, if you look at the literature and art of the time, a lot of people were disillusioned and, uh, you know, unconvinced of, of national sort of, um, myths and stories anymore. And it is a sort of like malaise, I guess is the thing to say. A lot of this article in this Wikipedia article for no, you know, <laughs> for no real surprise is it's about economic effects. Right. But there really was a, a strong sort of like effect within like this, the kind of like, um, I don't want to say national character because that's kind of a, a myth as well, but you see it in the art, right? You can watch something like Kaiji, um, which we covered on uh, No Wall Scroll a, a while ago, but if you haven't listened to it, please go do. It's it's one of my favorite series. Um, but in Kaiji, a lot of the, a lot of the kind of like malaise and um, dead end quality of Kaiji's life when he's not gambling is reflective of this lost decade as well. And in fact, like if you think about you know, how almost everything after 1973 up until 1992 was about Vietnam in American literature and up until, you know, from 1992 to 2008 or whatever, or 2001, it was about Iraq. And um, from 2001 on, it was about 9-11. Uh, this is similar in Japanese, uh, I mean, it's similar in all world fiction as well. Large historical events um, tend to color the art that follow them. And Yakuza 0 is no different. But the reason I find Yakuza 0 so interesting is because it keys in on these asset prices, the kind of like real estate stuff, right? And and so, for instance, in the Wikipedia article, last Wikipedia bit I'll read, I promise, um, it says, by 1989, land prices in commercial districts in Tokyo began to stagnate, but land prices in residential areas in Tokyo apparently dipped. However, prime areas peaked around this time, and the Ginza district was the most expensive. So Ginza is is not um, un, uh, unsimilar to Kamurocho. Um, Kamurocho is fictional. 
However, you know, you can sort of like imagine what it might be. It's sort of like it's modeled after Kabukicho. And I don't, you know, listen, I don't know enough about Tokyo to tell you really what's going on here, but it's in Shinjuku. And uh, Shinjuku is, a, a, you know, a really popular thing. If you've read, if you've played uh, The World Ends With You, you'll know about it as well. Um, but Ginza is very similar to this. The Ginza district was the most expensive and it peaked at 30 million yen per square meter, which is to say $218,978 per square meter. And this was in 1988. You're talking like 1988 prices. This is unbelievably expensive, right? And so what Yakuza 0 presents you with is both this sort of like central obvious plot point, right? A, a very genre specific idea of what a conflict area might be. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little plot of land that all the factions want, including like this shady real estate guy and, and, you know, the, the, the varying Yakuza clans and, you know, all these people and, and the people of, of Kamurocho are stuck in the middle of it, blah, 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 blah. Um, super interesting, but like, you know, fairly standard. On the other hand, it is literally a, a historical metaphor, an allegory, right? You get a little plot of land, maybe, you know, 20 square meters. And you're like, well, why would anyone care about it? It's because 20 square meters in that period of time, if you think every meter, every square meter is worth $218,978, is hugely, hugely expensive. And I'm probably undercutting it. Let's say 100 square meters, right? Let's say, you know, it's, it's enough to put like a building in. It's the one last empty lot. So we're effectively saying this is a priceless thing and everyone's fighting over it. But it's a priceless thing that everyone's fighting over and it's the last one of them. And so we both see the the height of, of sort of like speculation going on here, right? Everyone wants a piece. But we also see in the, in the well, for two reasons. One, because we can kind of put it together. Okay, it's the last place in Camarocho where we can build something. Um, you know, the government wants the fun, like the sort of like, party element and the Yakuza out. The Yakuza want to buy this so they can uh, centralize power. The real estate people want to build land so they can sell to people and housing. And there's all sorts of profit motives. Um, but we also can see like, okay, well, if this is the last one, after that, where does the money go? What happens to the prices? What's going to happen to all of this? It's going to crash because bubbles do that. They pop rather. Um, but also we know it because we know the other Yakuza games. Yakuza 0 comes out prior to Yakuza 6. And in that it comes out prior to Yakuza 6, we get this, um, we get almost the entire story of Kiryu and his rise and fall and rise and fall and, you know, all, the, all his trials and tribulations. And this is the first thing and we know what happens next as players. You know, even if we just kind of know it os through osmosis, through like, under I don't know all of Yakuza, yeah, I haven't finished it, but through osmosis, we get this sense of like, okay, so this is what this guy's going to go through. And so we have these two points, logical and also just like understanding the story. And we know, okay, look, this plot of land represents both a kind of um, impossible level of um, affluence, an impossible level of ambition, an unsustainable sort of um, high that is going to go crashing down. Now, on one hand, this relates to Kiryu, right? Kiryu's at a high, it's going to come crashing down. Same with Majima. Their lives are going to change dramatically as the series goes on, and this is just the intro point, right? Um, on the other hand, in that we like Kiryu, we can understand him as a character, we can understand the series as a character. These are like kind of embedded fictional figures, especially for people who are invested in the Yakuza uh, series, but also as they become sort of like 
recognizable figures in video gaming as they become popular in America, for instance, as the Yakuza series has, uh, um, which has, you know, really ratcheted up its popularity quite a bit. Um, you know, and, and in some ways you can imagine Yakuza is in its own asset crisis in that, you know, it's pure money at this point. How long will that last? Who knows? That's the problem with all video game franchises. They do not know how long the money is going to last. Um, and if there's any sort of uh, lesson, it's you got to get the money when the money's there. Um, the other thing is that it reminds me of one of my favorite things, which is uh, Georg Lukács' book, The Historical Novel. Georgi Lukács, or Georg Lukács, writes this book, The Historical Novel, under, you know, during the time of the USSR. It's after Stalin. Um However, he's a, he's a big-time Stalinist. His understanding of history kind of goes around Stalinism, particularly at this time. Later on, he'll he'll uh, ratchet that back a little bit, um, but sort of not really within the scope of this podcast to talk about why he does this or not. But he's a, he's a literary critic. He's an interesting literary critic. And he writes a book called The Historical Novel, which is maybe my favorite book by him. And, and his thesis in The Historical Novel, you know, it, it essentially centers around Sir Walter Scott, this idea of... Um, history and the historical novel in England and Scotland. But the point of the book is that history is best understood from a proletarian or sort of like, if we want to sort of demarks this uh, from a, an average person's perspective, right? We can understand history by looking at it from the position of, you know, a historical subject that is not real, right? Put the historical subject as Walter Scott does in a situation that is, you know, on one level based on history, but on another level as in the Waverly novels, not quite based on history. There are historical figures in the corners, right? Like just like in Yakuza, there are presidents and, and world events and things that are happening. The asset crisis is happening in Yakuza Zero, right? This is something we can recognize as real. However, Kazuma Kiryu or, or uh, Goro Mashima did not ever exist. These aren't real people, right? Um, the state around them in a certain way is a representation of the real, but they are not. And they're the central representation we get similar with Waverly, right? The Waverly novels, Sir Walter Scott's novels are about, um, you know, essentially sort of like, um, uh, I mean, we don't really need to go into it, but uh, about Scottish Kings and British Kings and, 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 you know, James Charles, Charles James and the Stuart family and blah, 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 blah. But they cover it within the fictional space of Waverly, the sort of like family and area and, and lineage. Um, and as a result, you get the history filtered through a fictional character. So you kind of get to hold two things in your hand at once. This is a useful understanding of like why dialectics is a, a wonderful little analytic tool. You get to sort of say like, okay, Cosmo Kiryu isn't real. Right? You can hold that in your hand. You say it's just the story about him. It's a story that's made up about him. However, the land he's living in, which is to say um, the sort of fictionalized area that he's in in Tokyo, is real in a sense. Right, like The, the, the situations around it, the context of it, the things that, that inform it. Um, even sort of like the street patterns in it are based very much off of real neighborhoods, even if Camarocho itself is a kind of uh, stand in in the way that, say, like uh, Roberto Bolaño uses um, a stand in for Ciudad Juarez. Just like, you know, these are fictionalized cities in quotes. They're real cities. They're just fictional um, because we don't want to say this is literally Tokyo, right, for for creative and, and you know, other reasons. Um 
we get to sort of see though, okay, this is real, but it's not real. It's real, but it's not real. In, you can't really actually say it's either of those things, right? It actually, the game itself sort of um, resolves into a third thing, which is the allegorical, right? Is, is it factual? Is it non-factual? No, it's allegorical. And within the allegory, we get to see the things we understand as historically true, right? Or true in quotation marks, however you want to understand historiography. But we also get to see the way fictional people are working through it and get to kind of embody those people as they go through their journey in it. We get to see, as Lukács points out, large figures of historical significance, quote unquote, great men and women, um, next to people of no significance, people so insignificant that they have to be made up out of the historical record in order to exist. Um, and in doing this, we both get to understand the history of the, the, the asset uh, crisis in Japan as, you know, read via Wikipedia I did a little while ago. But also we get to understand the kind of emotional history of it, right? The kind of you know, sense of why the lost decade might not just be a handy way of understanding stagflation or something like that, but why, in fact, the lost decade might be something that we need to understand as an emotionally impactful moment as well. Loss, not meaning just loss on the balance sheet, but loss in terms of motivation, in terms of people, in terms of the sense of self that Japan or Japanese people, and Japanese people are, you know, more interesting than Japan, um, that they felt, right? And so we get Kiryu as an emblem of this, but also as like a real person working through it. And we get to meet people on the street. Like I said, those side quests, right? You get to meet people on the street and deal with their, you know, ambitions and uh, the things that work for them, the things that fail and and working and helping them and seeing them succeed and not succeed and, and the kind of bittersweet quality of all of that. It really, it's why the games are successful and they really are in, in no small part tiny, like not tiny, they're long, um, but, but sort of disguised historical novels. They're Sir Walter Scott, but different. And in that they are Sir Walter Scott, but different, Lukács' observation works quite well. So what I want to say about Yakuza, especially Yakuza Zero, stemming from Lukács, is that it represents a way of understanding history that I think it's not new, obviously, you know, it's not like Sir Walter Scott's brand new or anything like that. The novel's been doing this for a while. Poetry has been doing it for a while. But it is a way of understanding history that I feel like, you know, cinema has sort of um, given up on in some ways um, because it's not super profitable. Uh, Prestige TV is not super interested in doing because Prestige TV has to um, kind of attack different things or or imagine different ways of, of telling stories, you know, the intensity or the, or the shock or something like that. Um, I feel like this is not a particularly popular thing to do in TV and film, but in the Yakuza series, we see the historical novel essentially recreated in a hugely, hugely popular series, right? Um, and I find that interesting. I don't think it's just because it's Japanese and, and people have like a, a, a sort of like affinity to learn about Tokyo or something like that. You know, like this isn't an anime kids are, are you know, juicing the economy moment or whatever. That That's not real. But it is a moment where like we get to see, okay, you can be made not just interested, but emotionally and personally invested in this long lost story or this long, you know, previously told story of economic collapse. And I think what Lukács would say, you know, in, in his, in his most lucid moments would be that 
being personally invested in this kind of thing is the first thing you need in order to sympathize with people who are not the quote unquote great men and women of history. And in fact, sympathize with the people who don't get into the history books and who are completely written over and trampled by the wheels and the gears of history. Um, those people represented in the fiction itself, you know, in part with Kiryu, but also in larger part, the various, you know, small people who you get to watch their, you know, joys and tragedies and the side quests and in the little like bits and pieces of the game that don't focus on our two main characters. Um, that is the meat of it. And that's what's so fascinating about the, this series. I think it might go a long way to explain why it's so successful and why people seem to care about it so much. Thanks for listening with me here. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know how often this format's going to replace the interview. I don't think every single time I'm looking forward to having more people on. If you have some thoughts on having people on, please let me know. Uh, I'd love to reach out to some new folks, uh, but you know, classics as well. And um, yeah, thank you for your patience. Thanks for understanding as I, I kind of went a little less frequent, but hopefully we can uh, we can get back on the horse, do a week a weekly Wednesday episode of the standard podcast every single week. And uh, the rest as well. I will talk to you then. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um and and writers and artists thank you so much for listening please remember to like subscribe share any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to